40 News Podcast with your host, James Coppert. Oi, oi, you beautiful, beautiful people. How are you all? I just wanted to put something out really quickly um, because I had to say thank you. I just want to put in context since the last show how much the numbers have increased. So, for some reason, we suddenly got a burst in Japan. So, uh, konnichiwa to the Japanese listeners. The numbers of listeners in Japan for the last show was more than the listeners I usually get for each episode entirely. And that was just in the first maybe 12 hours of it being up there. The USA has overtaken the UK as the highest amount of listeners. So, uh, hello to all my American friends. And uh, the British listeners and just listeners from all over the world have really increased as well. That is down to you guys. So thank you so much. Now, people that know me know that I don't say things unless I really mean them. So if I say something, it is genuinely sincere. I'm I'm probably too honest the other way. So like when I say it does mean the world to me, it really does. So thank you, each and every one of you. Now... If you've listened to the previous show, there was a feature about the most weird things that people had found that the previous owners of the home had left behind. And I just mentioned that there was, um, it was vomit from someone who died and a ghost who kept knocking. So what I thought I'd do just to say thank you is just give you that story instead of just kind of mentioning it in passing. Um, I just thought I'd do this as episode 10.5 and tell you the peculiar story of the events that occurred but before I do I just want to give this dedication so this show is dedicated to two people they are Julie Yates from the UK and Liz I'm probably not going to pronounce your surname correctly Liz uh, Liz Hawk from Baltimore USA Um, Julie and Liz have both sent me lovely emails and they have also left absolutely incredible reviews as well so thank you so much so lovely of you to take the time to do that that really is very very kind so thank you so much um and it's just lovely of you to get in touch they've also told me that the email address on spotify is incorrect um it's got 40 and but with four as the number for spelling rather than 40 and so i'm going to work out how to change that and update that. So if you are trying to get in touch, that isn't the correct email address. It is F-O-R-T-E-A-N uh, newspodcast at gmail.com. But just before we get into that, um, a couple of you have been in touch again about Patreon. Like I said, it's not something I'm doing at the moment. But if you do desperately want to support the show, like I said, first of all, tell someone else and write a review. That'll really help. If you feel like you want to give something then what I'm going to do is nominate two charities that you could donate to for Christmas. The first one is a charity called Carers Resource. And what I'm going to do is going to put the links to the donate pages um, in the the body of this this podcast. Carers Resource, uh, the reason why in particular I would like you to donate to them is they have a portion of their charity called Young Carers. They're just amazing. And what, what they do is they support young people who have a caring role in their life. So these are young people who either have a sibling or a parent 
or a family member who they take time out of their lives to care for someone else, which alone, you know, these young people deserve positive support just for that. It's amazing that they selflessly do that. But the statistics that go with it are pretty dire. So the young people who are young carers are highly more, like, I think it's three times more likely to struggle with with mental health um, often they feel stressed because they're trying to fit on fitting kind of exams and everything on top of the caring role and just being a normal young person makes it really difficult to, to fit everything in, into their lives um, just the they're more likely to be very socially isolated because they're caring for someone they often don't get out and meet other people they don't make friends they don't partake in activities um, they they often are more likely to be bullied they're more likely to not be in any employment education or training so it's it can be quite stat, sad reading really so um what what this charity does is they've got a really wonderful team and they the staff really do go above and beyond which is apart from what the charity is about which is why i want to show thanks to support this charity just because the staff work so hard and they they do activities with these young people they support them emotionally they help them with their social skills interacting with other people by providing fun activities and getting them all together and they also have a forum for them to have a voice and speak um, to share their thoughts and feelings to make change and lobby for change within local authorities and government they're just all around absolutely brilliant charity um, so the I'll, I'll put the link in the blurb. The second charity is something I'm really passionate about. Um, in my previous role, I used to support families, and something I came across a lot, which I just saw as one of the most insidious and horrible things that I've ever come across, and how it affected the people involved, is domestic violence. And there is a charity called IDAS who do amazing work supporting the victims and perpetrators, in fact, of domestic violence. So they offer support for the entire family. They help them escape domestic violence if they need to. But they also, for those that are willing, it's mainly men, it is mainly men, but there are some women as well, who who are the perpetrators to provide support to change. And for those that do accept that they're perpetrators and go on to try and change that there's normally good results and if i'm honest you know most of the perpetrators it stems to their childhood and their negative life up to that point they're not just evil people so they deserve a chance to to try and make changes but the effect that they cause is is horrific and just supporting a charity that helps those families and the kids that are in that situation is is um really important so I'll, I'll leave i'll let you what i'll do is i'll let you decide if you want to there's no pressure obviously it's just for those people that i've got in touch and feel like they want to give something i'll let you choose which of those you feel like you want to donate to and if you want to donate even a pound um I, i'm sure it makes a difference so thank you very much um the third thing you can do is uh, i'll just give you an example just do something lovely for someone else a stranger and put a bit of love into the world. 2020 can do with finishing off with just some kindness. 
perfect example of what you could do. So I've just been out through work this morning and I went into a village called Hutton Bushel and the roads closed for maintenance and so the bus wasn't going through. And Hutton Bushel's up a really kind of tall hill. And at the bottom of this hill was a little old lady waddling along with her obviously arthritic legs carrying three big bags full of stuff. So I pulled my car up and I said, I'm putting my mask on and you're getting in my car and I'm giving you a lift up that hill. And she was extremely grateful and I saved her legs, saved her lungs and she went home with a big smile on her face and was really grateful. Do something like that. If you want to repay me for the time putting into the show, then do something kind to someone else, a stranger. And let me know. It'll be a lovely feature actually in the show before Christmas. Let me know what you did um, out there by emailing 40nnewspodcast at gmail.com. I've also got an Instagram, um, just because uh, Nick, who sent the origami, I I wanted to show it off, so I've put that up there. I've been putting a few things on there. I've told a couple of ghost stories. Um, Also, Twitter and Facebook were on there, so go and have a look and get in touch. Um, But yeah, that's the best way you can repay me at the moment. Um, I'm more grateful to you just for, for listening and for spreading the word. I th- I do believe, that, obviously I'm very grateful for Jim Harold for letting me talk about my show on his show, and I think that's caused a big boost, but I think it's mainly down to just people spreading the word, so thank you very much. Most of you are probably sat there right now going, James, we shut up and tell the story. So, yeah, let's get into it. Now, Christmas is a time for telling ghost stories, and this is a really interesting one of a certain period and certain place that I lived in. So without any further ado. So this story really begins before I moved into this place. On this street, the same street that I moved into, my my friend lived, my friend's called Pat. In fact, if you are interested in buying some amazing artwork, this guy's called Patrick Burke. So if you type in Patrick Burke with an E uh, and artist, you can go and have a look at his work. Some of it's inspired by the Holocaust um, and it's kind of abstract work and it's outstanding. Uh, I suppose the most similar stuff he does is like Mark Rothko, if you're familiar, but he's a very talented guy and an artist as talented as him shouldn't be working in a baker's for a living, let's put it that way. I think he's a genius. Um, Anyway, I'm getting past the point again. I keep rambling, don't I? Um, So, yeah, back to the story. (laughs) I've been to visit Pat and doing some music with him, with a couple of friends, uh, recording some poetry and some music, as, as we did. This was in my very late teens. And as we came out, this guy came out of his house and started shouting at us. And he accused us of being squatters. And we just said, sorry, sir, I I don't know what you're talking about. We've just been to visit my friend. We're not squatting. We don't live here. We're just walking home. And this man just wouldn't see sense. He was arguing with us and just wouldn't accept that we weren't squatting. And in the end, I just apologized and said, look, I'm really sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm, you know, basically not having this conversation anymore. And we just walked away and left him shouting at us. But he was certain that we were. Uh, I still don't know why. And 
as you know, I've spoken about the, the previous house in Brompton by Sodden and all the horrible things that happened there. Um, recently found out even more secrets that have been un- unlocked from my family of that period of time that are even more horrific and the things that I can't and won't really get into publicly. But the nastiness of that house and the impact it's had on my family is huge. And my mum my was in a coma um, after a, a very nasty accident and at that time, the same time she was in a coma and we didn't know if she was going to live or not, their, their bank repossessed the house. So I was in a state where I was going to be homeless. Now, again, one of the big kind of things that I'm passionate about is education in school that has meaning to life, that's proper life skills. Because you might learn about Pythagoras' theorem, for example, but learning that you have to pay council tax or what to do if you're homeless or, you know, all these important skills that you need just to live, you know, that you how to find the best deal on water and gas and electricity. I didn't know any of these things and I didn't know there were charities that could support and help you either. So I was in a state where I thought I'm going to be sleeping on the streets tonight and it was I was really scared and bumped into a friend called Alex who was in a very same situation and as a most incredible sense of irony we found we could squat the very flat of the guy who accused us of squatting weirdly just until we could get on our feet and find somewhere to live it was open and we went in and the first thing we did was clean up the vomit this guy very sadly had had a a brain hemorrhage and passed away very quickly. And we went in there and there was no kind of gas. Um, there was no heating. There was lighting just from the plugs. And we, we found out if we stuck a fork in the cogs, we could get electricity by turning the cogs on the meter. Someone must have been paying. I don't know who. <laughs> it, yeah, it was a difficult time in life, let's put it that way. I'm not condoning our actions. Um, but in desperate times. We, we would freeze to death and potentially die or or we had this opportunity. So we lived in there and it was nasty. It was cold. The walls crumbled and there was mould everywhere. But it was better than being on the streets. So we were in this space and Alex and I, it was basically one big room with a kitchen bit and Alex and I slept in bunk beds and it was really noisy where we lived as well so there was a pub down the road and so at kick out time people would be kind of fighting and shouting and singing on the way home so it was a noisy street to begin with the next door actually got raided by by police who um raided the house for, for drugs so it wasn't the best of areas either so we we started getting woken up in the night and at first we put it to noises outside but it started to increase and what it was there was so just to give you like an idea of of where this place is and what it looked like these were old kind of victorian houses um that were converted into kind of bed sits and small flats there was one other person in the building and he was on the top floor and he was renting from someone who owned that flat 
Um, the other buildings, strangely, the other flats in the place were strangely empty. Um, and then we were in the bottom. So there was also an outside door, and this door was really loud. It made a right racket. You couldn't get in or out that house in silence if someone paid you millions of pounds to do it. It's impossible. So let's just put that kind of into a, into some context. There were two doors um, out into the hallway, and one of the doors our bed was against, and there was another door which we used as our door in and out of the flat. The door was on a spring, the door handle. And we realised after a while that the it sounded like someone was pulling the door handle down and then letting go. And at first, obviously, you write it off. You think, well, no, it can't be that. We've just woken up. It could be anything. But as it started to increase, we'd be woken up and then we'd hear it again. And we're like, that is definitely the door handle, kind of what's going on. But again, you, d- you almost dismiss it and write things off, don't you? And I'd just come from an incredibly haunted house. And I thought, the chances of me coming into another haunted house are very, very slim, surely. But no, it increased and we'd be awake and we'd hear it again. And... Sometimes I get up because I think someone was mucking about and we go and look in the corridor and no one was there and the lights weren't on. People used to turn, you know, you'd have to turn lights on to get up and down stairs because it'd be pitch black. And as I say, the, the only person who lived was on the top floor and he wasn't... Some people are the type of people to do pranks and some people aren't and he isn't that type of person. And then we started getting knocks as well. And... If I say was was staying away, I used to, I was a musician and used to do gigs. And if I was going away, the Alex who I lived with wouldn't stay in the flat on his own. It freaked him out, and he wasn't used to it, and it was really affecting him quite a lot. He he actually started to feel very depressed and nervous, um, and I think partly to do with the conditions that we were living in, as they weren't very nice, and partly to do with with the haunting was making him scared in his own home so even though it was horrible he couldn't relax and couldn't ever feel relaxed and it escalated to this one evening and it was maybe around six o'clock so I'd been at work and come home from work so it was around six in the evening and we were talking and talking about music as we did and there was like a and we thought it was on our uh, internal door so I went and opened it thinking that the guy from upstairs had come down and no one was there and we just wrote it off as maybe we heard you know next door that we, it was in, it was attached to two different buildings so we just thought it was that and we carried on talking and then we heard again and it was a little bit louder and we're like oh that that did sound like the door so we went and opened the door and of course there was no one there um carried on talking whatever we were talking about and then so Alex and I were like that is definitely our door that time you know there's no doubt about it now and I opened the door and there was no one there of course and we were like this is strange but again although all this other stuff was going on the first thing I thought was someone was kind of playing pranks on us 
And um, what, once the knock happened again, I was like, right. And we got our shoes on and we went around the building. And at, at this particular time, we knew that the guy upstairs was actually staying away for a week. So he wasn't in the building, but we wondered if he'd come back. And because we thought we were out, he decided to play a prank, even though he's not that type of guy. So we went and we knocked on his door. Of course, there was no answer. We tried the doors of the other flats in the building. Um, they were locked. There was no one around. But still, I thought, it must be someone in the building. So I hid. I hid in the corridors. Um, and the lights went out. And I stayed there for kind of 10 to 15 minutes. And, of course, no one no one came and no one knocked at the door. We went to check the front door that it wasn't open. Um you know, because it, as I said, it made a racket to open. So we knew they hadn't gone out, but we thought if it was a jar, then they might not have had to pull it. But it, it was shut and locked on the Yale. So it wasn't that. So this was really confusing. But again, still, I thought we'd catch someone. So there was another knock. And I was like, right, Alex, come stand with me. So I stood by the door with my hand on the door handle, waiting for the knocks to come, which they did. So quick as a flash, open the door, and of course, there was no one there. It was absolutely empty. Alex and I just looked at each other. We just stood there. I let, let go of the door. We just stood there looking at each other. Alex was so terrified, he, he looked like he was going to cry. I was just staring at him in disbelief, my, my mouth open. And as we were staring at each other, when our fear is at the absolute highest, there was a massive, and I mean a massive, like someone hitting that door to knock as hard as they possibly could without breaking their hand. That, that was it for Alex. Alex went and had to sit down and he just sat in the window with his, I just remember his head being in his hands and he was just like, I'm done, I'm done. And he, he did move out pretty much straight after that. And just as kind of a funny coincidence, he sat there, in, bearing in mind what we've just experienced. And there was a bang on the window right by his head and he jumped and threw something at the window and it just so happened that our friend had come round to visit at that moment and chose to, because he saw Alex in the window, decided to knock. And he came in and was like, what the hell is wrong with you two? And yeah, we told him the story and he just thought we were, we were balmy. Although he could see we were very, very shaken up. So that is kind of the story of that place. When, when Alex moved out, um, it, it didn't, it wasn't as active or it just didn't wake me up. Uh, and to be honest, most of the time when I was on my own, I had music on all the time anyway. So potentially there was knocks to things and I, I just didn't hear it. But yeah, there wasn't, there didn't seem to be that much activity. Uh, I do remember being in that place though. I had, I was off sick and had a really bad fever. And I did see, that was the first time in my life I have hallucinated. And I do remember seeing it, thinking this is quite scary, but at the same time, I know I'm, I'm hallucinating. There were like these little black imps, so there were like these small black creatures, like shadows, but with horns, dancing around. And I, I seem to remember a cartoon or something similar. And I was looking at them thinking, I know I'm hallucinating. And my, my fever was just horrific. I was so poorly and being on my own. And 
yeah, it was quite a scary, horrible time. Um, I also remember just waking up Christmas Day and being completely alone. And obviously all friends and family have their friends and family and, you know, there wasn't anyone to go to. My mum was still in hospital. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty miserable time. But I'm very grateful to some friends who, who came around to visit me and offered me their flat to move into and paid basically the, the minimum the minimum rent on the, the wage that I was on so that I could afford to to live there. So I'm very grateful to them because they basically gave me a foot in the door to, to do well in life and, and make a good start of things. So thank you to those guys. But yeah, it's uh, it was a very, very strange house. And I, I don't know. I don't know is the answer. Like I always say, all we can do is hypothesize. Now, most people will, will probably hypothesize that it was the man who accused us of squatting in his flat in the building. Um, and he was obviously very angry. Now, did he, as he was like close to death, did that make him closer to the veil? And did he have a premonition that we were living in his flat? And was his knocking at the door his way of telling us to get out? I don't know. It's all pretty strange. Was it RSPK? Because we both were in a very sad place. You know, I didn't know if my mum was going to live or die. Uh, it was cold and miserable and just a horrible place to live. And Alex was in a bad way as well. And was our mutual feelings and emotions creating this, this negative energy, um, which is known as RSPK? I've forgotten what it's called. I should have researched it better, shouldn't I? I told you. Um, go look it up, RSPK. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you next time. And um, yeah, w- w- were we creating that activity through through our mutual kind of emotions and feelings? Who knows? We, we can only kind of make make a guess. But yeah, it was a strange old time, and that Alex Alex did and never came back in the place. It really did affect him quite deeply. The the feeling of the place as well. And that you said the feeling that that whatever it was generated. So yeah, I moved into the other flat, and there wasn't any ghost in that one, so that was good. And um, from there, I then they they did end up selling their place, but I ended up getting another flat, and that did have something, but it wasn't very active. We used to hear like, I remember saying to the the landlord, "Is this place haunted?" I'll tell you this one because it's so short. There wasn't much happened. And he, all he said was, let's just say you might not be wrong. And what used to happen in this place is you would hear, I used to think the chain of the, so there was a, as you get on a door sometimes, a, is it, I forgot what it's called, but it's like a chain. So you open the door and it, it opens part, part of the way without it being completely open. So we had one of those chains on the door and it sounded like that was swinging. It sounded like a metal chain swinging, but we'd go and look. And there'd be no one, you know, it'd be completely still. And that, that's what it sounded like, almost like the traditional Dickens style kind of uh, chain, a ghost chain. And the other thing would sound like someone tearing and throwing paper. And it was only in the hallway of the the, ha- the, the flat where the bedrooms, bathroom and main room kind of went off from. Never anywhere else. I had quite a nice feeling, actually. I overlooked the sea, so it's quite cold. Um, and then... The only other experience, but it could have been just a, a dream, 
my um, my partner at the time said she woke up and saw a little boy who just ran in the room and then ran through the opposite wall, which is a possibility because the um, the, the used to be millionaires in Scarborough and you know really rich people had these giant mansions, and as time went on and people uh, didn't stay, the, these mansions got turned into lots of small flats. So it potentially could have been one room in, that she was seen in the past, but she she had just woken up. So potentially that could have just been something she's seen. She's not particularly sensitive. So whether it was or not, I don't know. But that was that one. And then from there, I moved into this place that I live now. And that this has got its own story, which it would probably take hours to tell. And that won't make it a short, quick story, would it? So that's it. I hope you enjoyed that story little bit spooky and uh, I don't know what that place is like now I should knock on the door of the people that live there and ask them it might be interesting but yeah thank you so much for tuning in I just wanted to give something a little extra just to say thank you because I've already got loads of stories just since I recorded the last one of what's been going on in the news recently there's more stories about the monoliths um, there's stories coming out of conspiracies that um, Israel and the USA have actually been speaking to aliens and doing negotiations with them. Um, and it's someone very official that's broken that. So I'll be telling all those stories in the next episode. Until then, thank you so much for tuning in. To anyone that's passed the show on to someone else, thank you so much. To anyone that's subscribed, thank you so much. To those people that have written reviews, thank you so much. I am really grateful to each and every one of you. And I know people are probably sick of me saying that, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it because it does mean a lot to me. It's lovely. Uh, that's why I do it. Obviously I do it. So people listen to it. Um, it's not for ego or anything. It's just, I wanted to do it and I like chatting and I feel like I'm talking to someone that makes me sound sad and lonely, doesn't it? But <laughs> I, I just really like talking part of my ADHD list, but that way I'm uh, talking to which, um, yeah, some, some people have been speaking to me about ADHD. I just wanted to say, um, because I did that show, uh, that separate show about it, I actually wrote the, the, the words to that I wrote as an article and the independent newspaper have featured it. So if any of you are interested, I know a lot of people who have children with ADHD have actually been printing off the article and using it to fight for uh, better treatment for their children in schools. Um, so if you just type in my name, which is James Coppert, and the surname is K-O-P-P-E-R-T. And put in ADHD, it'll probably come up. It's part of their indie uh, conversations. Um, so maybe you just put independent in as well. And you can find the article there. So feel free to you know share it with anyone that, that might be interested. I know it's helped a lot of people, um, which, is, which is lovely. I, I've just happened to learn a lot. I support a lot of young people with ADHD. And my own experiences. Been lucky enough to evaluate things in life instead of getting angry at the situations I've been in and using it to make myself better and try and make the world a bit better um, instead of letting anger at the situations consume you I'm waffling on again aren't I most of you are probably fast asleep now or turned off but if you stayed around sorry <laughs> and I'll start right at the next show now much love to each and every one of you and if for some reason you don't tune into the next show or something happens and I don't get to the next show done. Uh, happy Hanukkah, happy Christmas, happy every other religious festival 
or just have a lovely break from work. I hope you still get to see your families and the people you love and care about in whatever part of the world you are. Um, I know because of COVID and rules, that's making that quite difficult for a lot of you, especially if you live away from family. And I know a lot of you, it's going to be a very difficult and miserable time. Please get in touch with someone if you're feeling down. Um, Christmas has got the highest rate of suicide than any other time of year. And I think sometimes because it's all about family and presents and all those type of things, it can really highlight when you don't have those things. So if you don't have family and you, you don't get any presents, it can make you feel very vulnerable and alone. Um, so please look out for someone else that might be in that situation. There's going to be quite a lot of them this year, as well as, you know, just uh, if you if you are in that situation, things do change. You know, if I look back at that time when I was in that place and completely alone and miserable, this year I'll be spending it with my children and my girlfriend in a house with so much love that it'll be bursting. So if 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 I'd given up at that time, I wouldn't experience that. So it's really important that you always find another day to go on for. Thank you so much, guys. And just, yeah, it's lovely. I, I, I was, I still can't believe how much my numbers have increased. So thank you very much. Um, love to each and every one of you. Good night, guys.